for the last time. Having levels in necromancy and proficiency in alchemy does not let you use a glass of milk as a healing potion for your skeletons. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Grognards. I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Holly, And I'm Greg Ziegler. And we've just got a couple of people back from traveling to GameholeCon. We're going to be doing a wrap-up of GameholeCon. Yes, Greg is still tired from his travels. Yeah, I've gotten lots of rest because I managed to pick up a case of con crud while I was there. So. Oh, did you really? Yeah. You are the, well, you're not the first person I know of, but you're the first close person that I know of that's ever had Concrete. I've never had it. I think it's just a cold. I think yeah. I just picked yeah. up a cold there. Eric got to sleep in one day. I was 8 a.m. to midnight, three days in a row. It really? Was, uh, All right. Well, busy. let's <laughs> talk about Game Hole Con after we talk about the games that we've been playing. This is our segment, Games People Play. What kind of goes without saying that you guys have been playing some games since the last time we've been uh, in the studio recording. So uh, maybe I should go first because you guys probably have a lot more to talk about than yeah. I do. Yeah, and I don't have anything other than Game Hole Con. So. Oh, okay. You've yeah. played nothing since the last time we've recorded? Um, no, actually, Star Wars did. I did run another Star Wars, but it was another quickie where everybody didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> Is that really playing a game at that point? Um, it, You know, it's work. It, playing, we're fine. It's just some of the plot through threads are not straight lines. When you say nobody showed up, do you mean like... No, when I say nobody, I saw, there's always like one person that doesn't show up. It, it, and it changes around. Different people okay. don't show up. But yeah, we're all there one out of every three or four times we play. Okay. All right. Well, then I will I will lead off with the games that I've been playing are not actual board games. Well, that's not necessarily true, but I've been uh, I've been playing a lot of board like games except on my computer. I've been uh, as I said the last time, I resurrected East Front and West Front and I've been playing a lot of those because it's kind of filling that need of wanting to kind of get back into Squad Leader. Yeah. But I don't want to quit my job. Yeah, that's a <laughs> ASL is a full time hobby, I think. Yeah. So what what is that exactly? Okay, uh, ASL Squad Leader, which is basically a World War well, whatever II. Whatever it is you're playing. Yeah. Well, it's called West Front and East Front, okay. but it's essentially it's a computer PC game. But uh, a Squad Leader is a World War II. What would you call it, Eric? It's almost squad or unit lead uh, unit yeah, based. I, I, yeah, it's a unit based. I've actually never played it. Oh, you haven't? Never. I've, I've seen it played once. I sort of wandered by a table and people were deep in thought with calculators. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah for, for someone like me who is bad at math, it's really not the right game, but I enjoy the hell out of it. Yeah, it's been around forever. People, Yeah, people I may have played play back in the day during that you okay. know, Luftwaffe, Panzer Blitz, squad leader period. Right, so, when yeah. you need uh, tweezers or some type of pincers or something like that to actually pick up all the chips or yep. chits and not spread them Watch all over the game. Uh, the other one, Eric, you've played this. I know that you have. I've picked up my Battletech PC game again. Oh, the uh, the one that was kickstarted. Yeah, by yeah. Airbrain Schemes. Yeah, that's a yeah. good game. It is very good. I've uh, their updates have done a lot of really good stuff, and it's a lot more fun than it was. I follow the community on Reddit, mm -hmm. so I I see a lot of comments about it. I haven't played it in a while. Yeah, um, I don't know if you're aware, but Red Dead Redemption Two just came out for the PC. I saw a little blurb this morning while yes. checking my phone. It's, it's downloading as we speak. <laughs> really? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it actually might have released on Monday. I'm not sure, but I've been sick, so I didn't get a chance. Is this what Eric does on his lunch break? No, I can't. I can't use my work computer for anything but work. Mm. Um, I can't even check my email from my work computer. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It is, it is the government. Yeah, it's the government. They don't like you <laughs> like you're messing around playing video games. Yeah. But um, they'd be yeah. watching you anyway. Yeah. And I'm set up uh, to play test the scenario for the Conan board game because I'm already, even though it's three months away, I'm getting ready for a winter war game convention. Yeah, I need to start thinking about that as well. I'm not, I think uh, Eric Bohm is probably coordinating Adventures League. I'll mm -hmm. probably just run Adventures League toying with the idea of maybe running one other game just as a prelim for running it at bigger conventions. I'm still toying with that Car Wars parking garage. I <laughs> would get into that. If you were going to run that, I would get into that. Yeah. I mean, I never see Car Wars at conventions, and there's yeah. a lot of people who used to play 
and there are still a lot of people who play. They're coming out with a new edition, and that's sort of why I'm on the fence is they're coming out with a new edition, and I'm not sure if I want to run I think the old or the new. Part of that reason is because Gaslands has come out. Yeah. I don't see so many people playing that either, though. Well, um, maybe not at the smaller conventions, but I have uh, seen it at GaryCon and at GenCon. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, so. GenCon wouldn't surprise me. Everything's no. there. Right, everything's there. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing with those games, kind of prepping, and uh, I've been elected as the Euchre King of Paxton, Illinois. I'm now the go-to guy for planning all Euchre games or Euchre tournaments in Paxton. <laughs> I don't know how the heck I got that, but... Nice. That's what I am. So, all right. Well, Greg, you are. Uh, do we want to launch right into the games that you played, or do we want to hold it off for our game, our game hole? Game rap? hole. Um, no, we should do game hole. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's jump straight into the hole. All right. So that was our segment, or at least my segment. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> of games people play. All right. So Eric and Greg, and I believe sometime Grognard. Jimmy McGuire. Jimmy, I saw him up there. We should have had so him you did on the see podcast. Him? Yeah, he was over playing the uh, Le Mans. Yes. No. Um, with, I believe Mike Carr was running it. Yeah. So he had some. A guy named Carr runs Le Mans. Oh, yes. That's, yeah, that, yes. that was inevitable. Yeah. <laughs> he was texting me trying to make me feel jealous, but I told him that I was doing other things that were more fun. And I don't know if he believed me or not. But that was more fun, really? Well, you have to read his text messages. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's between Jimmy and I in terms of what I consider more fun and what he considers more fun. So. Yeah. So, well, our, our convention did not start all that well. We drove up together. Mm-hmm. Some people drive up to a convention like the night before. And I'll do that for like Gen Con, pay for the extra night hotel. But yeah. Madison's three and a half hours away, so yeah. Greg and I were thinking, ah, no problem. We'll just How leave really early in the morning, right? And it's the Midwest. And it snowed. Yeah. And so. not just kind of snowed, but oh. cars in the ditch blizzard snowed. Yeah. Um, oh, really? You guys had that bad of weather? I don't know if it was a blizzard, but there were cars in the ditch. Yeah, it, it was, was, you know, it was not a good time for it to snow. Well, no. you really do know. Maybe you don't know, because you are from the East Coast. Don't know. But here in the Midwest... After the last snow melts, we forget how to drive in snow. Yeah. Yeah. And then when it comes back again, people are like, what's that stuff? Yeah. I've (laughs) run into that phenomenon before. Uh, And it was a lot of, there was a lot of trucks and it wasn't, it wasn't really a blizzard. It, it qualified. It was an October blizzard, which is to say snow should not be blowing horizontally in October. And and we just had to drive (laughs) slow. Right. So that's the key. You know, you just drive slower and have. Enough Pay control attention. to... Did you make it to your first event? I could have made it if I would have hurried. I decided I didn't want to hurry. My first event was supposed to be uh, like a computer mech combat thing. They're mm-hmm. there every year. They run nonstop during the convention. And it was supposed to be a two-hour block. But that was also the day that I did my cosplay as my devil. And I figured it would probably be worthwhile to have three and a half hours to get in that get up rather than an hour and a half. Mm. How long did it actually take you to get that on? You know, I didn't time it. Um, probably, I might have been able to do it in an hour and a half, but I would have been rushed, so it was right around there. We'll, we will hopefully provide some pictures on the uh, Facebook page. Ah, there's already one on. Is there one? Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> I saw it. Eric was very well dressed. He was in a black uh, uh, black shirt and vest with a white tie. Pin, pinstripe yeah. suit. Pinstripe Game. suit. Yeah, and then really well done red face makeup with some horns. Yeah, which took a long time. And one thing I realized, and this is a little tip for anybody who's going to put horns on with spirit gum, you sweat under those horns. Oh, I'm sure you do. But you have a nice solid seal around that latex and that spirit gum. So you get this little sloshy effect of your own sweat up against your forehead. So gross. Yeah, it kind of was. Yeah. And then every once in a while, it'll find a place to get out, and then you'll have your own sweat running in a small rivulet, I believe would be the proper term, down across your eyebrow into your eyeball. Did it uh, smear the makeup? No, I didn't. Like, I had to dab, okay. you know? Um, <laughs> so so when you peeled them off at the end of the night, would you have a little, like, there cup was, of sweat? It was yeah, gross. It was gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so something I had not considered. Uh, Maybe yeah. you should put some vent holes in the top of the horns? 
I don't. I don't think that would help. I don't uh, think. Would, maybe steam would come out of it. Though. That would be kind of <laughs> yeah. cool. Yeah, I, I don't think I want to. Yeah. Go oh, there. that's the funniest thing I've heard all day. Yeah, the hotel bathroom looked like an abortion clinic there. When <laughs> he was all done. It was red <laughs> tissues tossed all over the place, and yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> Woo, why, what why a visual! Why does Greg know what the inside of an abortion <laughs> clinic looks like? I, I watched Special Victims Unit. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> So, um, yeah, that that was the start. It was well done. I, I thought it looked really good. Yeah, no, it did look good. I didn't, it held up up close. Too, yeah, and I carried uh, little contracts with me printed in two-point font in case anybody <laughs> wanted to make a deal with me. Uh-huh. I could pull out the contract. Um, so that was good. Now, it was being in cosplay all day with face paint. You know, anytime you touch your paint, you get red on your fingertips. Uh, I'm not sure I was too keen on the whole face paint. Not sure if I'd do that again. But yeah. But it did it did work, and there were a lot of people dressed up because it was Halloween. And I do believe that most people who do the full face paint or body paint, they're not really actively gaming when they no, do their cosplay. No. Yeah. I, I think you're right. They, they are focused on the costumes. So, you know, part of what we didn't cover in Games People Play for me was that I spent the two weeks prior to Game Hole Con prepping to run three different four-hour Adventure League epic modules. So... <laughs> That Because one isn't enough. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I, know. I ran one of them twice. The other one was Liar's Night, which was only run on Christmas, uh, Halloween. And then the last one was uh, the 0901 Epic, which I had played in before. Okay, I didn't know. Actually, I didn't know what the deal was with the, with the Liar's Night. I, I mean, it, obviously it came up, but I didn't know what the background was on that. So I just thought it, it was a thing. It was just an Epic, and they're trying to sort of tie it to Halloween. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, Did Jimmy play in that one with you? No, I didn't see him. Oh, I was under the impression that he was actually in a game with you, one of your games. No, I did not see him except when I wandered by and saw him playing with the race cars. Gotcha. Uh, He likes the race cars? I believe he traveled with his daughter. Yeah, I think so. I think I saw a picture of them. Now, one impressive thing was, and we have had Alex Kammer who coordinates Game Hole. Last year we had him on with an interview, and he wants Game Hole to be the convention. He wants to sort of turn into one of the, and it's already well on its way if not there it's, it's on the top of my list that mm-hmm. and gary con and then gen con's off on its own but they had 100 tables of D going simultaneously for liar's night nice it's a lot of dnd that's a wow lot of D&D. that has not been seen at some place like gen con in maybe five ten years yeah apparently i i heard a story i don't know if wow, it's true or not that's really impressive when he was Ordering when Alex was ordering the tables for the Adventures League area, he said, "How many Adventures League tables do they order for Gen Con?" And they gave him a number, and he said, "I want one more than that," <laughs> which sounds like well Alex. done. Yeah, <laughs> well done. So the the Adventures League area, which I had spent a fair amount, I ran four games. I didn't play any Adventures League; I just ran. Um, they did a better job than last year. They took the feedback. Uh, they centrally located their sort of command pod there. And you, had could, you could hear it. And had speakers pointing all four directions. They quartered it off so that one was an epic area. Another one was Eberron. So they did a good job with that. I wouldn't be surprised next year if they threw some wiring and a speaker in the back of each of the four quarters because if yeah, that would be yeah if you were in the back of the four quarters it would still be hard to hear hear your sound uh, so that's the only improvement they could probably make I know they already said they're going to expand the size of the the command pod area because it was a little small there's when you get you know five or six or seven people back there it was a little crowded. I also forgot to pick up my uh, my DM reward, which was this cool hat. Yeah, you were in a big ass hurry to get out of there. Yeah, I was ready <laughs> to go home. I was already sort of feeling feeling a little under the weather. So, and that was just on Friday, Sunday. No, Sunday. Oh, this is oh, Sunday. Sunday. This is after three days of three full days, and then uh, and then Sunday morning's epic, which Eric ran in and I played in, not at yeah. his table because he was doing you were doing tier, tier two, two, and I was over in the corner doing tier one. I was under the impression, Eric, that you did a lot of seminars rather than running games. Well, we'll get there. Okay. Uh, I mean, that was so Thursday, I've skipped my Steel Battalion mech combat. I ran uh, an epic, and then I ran Liar's Night, which mm-hmm. was another epic. And then Friday morning, I ran uh, yet another epic. And then I had a couple games that we can talk about 
uh, I don't know if we want to jump into it, or Greg wants to cover his Friday, his Thursday and Friday. You can go ahead. All right, so I played a U2 in Cthulhu, mm-hmm. and I know Greg played one of these two. It's this group that really does Cthulhu all out. They do. I, I think they're based out of Chicago, suburb of Chicago, and yeah, they go to all the major cons in the area, and they are really good about the accessories, your character. She, the, the one that I was in, you had a, a reduced character sheet, because a Call of Cthulhu character sheet has a lot of skills on it. It's like a laundry list of skills. And they go in and edit out all the ones you don't normally need and just put in like the 10 or 12 that are necessary for 90% of what you're doing. And uh, you have always have a character picture. You always have a background description and how you're related to the other characters. And they always have a screen and they're running like a multimedia. Mine had music going yeah, the whole time. Yeah, we had sound effects. Yeah. Well, Greg, I have a question for you because I've been thinking about trying to get into one of those games at possibly GaryCon. Yeah. Having never played the game, or at least, well, I played it years ago. Yeah. Is that maybe not the thing for me? Should I? No, that's almost a better thing for you because okay. you're being run. it's being run by people who know exactly what they're doing. Great. They've streamlined the character sheet for you to make it easier. Mm-hmm. And really, when you're playing Cthulhu these days, 7th edition, it's a percentile roll, and okay. that's all you need. You need two D10s, and um, it's all fairly straightforward. It's all pre-generated? Your, yeah, yeah, yeah. The U2 guys give you pre-gens with picture on it and everything. And and um, how you are, like what your feelings are right. towards the other characters. Yeah. It's, it's really well done. Sounds uh, interesting. Maybe we should coordinate and yeah, get into a game. Oh, nice. That, okay, yeah. That is a U2 sheet. That is a regular sheet. I see there is a big difference. Yes. Yeah, uh, we'll, what I'm looking uh, we'll at is yeah, what I'm looking at basically is as you said, the top 10 stats that you need and the other one is the top 100. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lot smoother and uh, yeah, mine I was doing a jazz age thing. They were playing music the whole time. Nice. Pictures of every building we went to, but um, Well, anyway. maybe we can coordinate something for yeah. GaryCon. Yeah. Totally hijacked Eric here. Yes, we did. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> the other thing I want to mention about that is in our mission, we ended up having to blow up a building in Indianapolis. <laughs> oh, really? And they sent us in a year. I think we were in 2004. What building was it? Uh, I don't remember yeah. the exact yeah, That name. was an interesting thing about yours Plus, you were I don't playing wanna, modern. Yeah, we were, it was like 2004 we were set in. Somebody Googled that building, mm-hmm. and that building had been demolished in 2004. And we were playing, like, I was an NSA agent, somebody else was CIA. So totally, like, fits in with, nice. you know, it could have been, no, this could have happened. That's exactly what they do. The the U2 guys are that good. They probably picked that building because yes. it was demolished yeah. in that And they year. had pictures of it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I could tell the picture they had was pre-demolition. So, yeah. but, I, you know, it looked all run down. There was crap all in front of it and... and I, so I sort of suspected, but... No, they're really good. Well yeah. done. Okay, you've convinced me. I will try to sign up for one. No, you have to play one of those. Okay. It's, it's, an, it's an experience. Right. Okay, so now we need to talk about my Stormbringer game. <laughs> what? You, really? You played Stormbringer? Yeah. yeah I, I, um, in a manner of speaking. I was so jealous that he got into play Stormbringer. I'm like, oh, oh that would have been... I've never played Stormbringer, but you know, I like Elric. It's like the only yeah. book series ever I've read all the way through, and all the sub books and angle books, and so but I was I'm like, oh shit, Eric. Oh, guessing by let me know. Eric's demeanor and the way he's speaking that maybe you were the lucky one. I was the luckiest boy in town because I <laughs> okay. was not in his game. So it's in the adult area. Right. They have an adult gamer area. Yeah, 18 and over. And I sit down and the guy says, OK, well, this is only adult because uh, you guys are all drug addicts and you're addicted to either uppers or downers. Now, in, in the Elric series, he does take herbal supplements. So yes. To, speak, mm-hmm. uh, to maintain. But and I never there, I never got the feeling that that entire universe, everyone was a drug addict. I, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. And we it, this was a continuation of last year's. Uh, module or, or adventure that he was running where the party was escaped slaves. Mm-hmm. And he says, and no, no, none of those people signed up for it again. They said they were going to and they didn't. That should have been my first warning right there. <laughs> so we get there and he's like, okay, all of you are naked because you don't have anything. You Between uh-huh. the group of you, you have one dagger, a sharpened stone, and a uh, pointed stick. A burlap sack with some vegetables in it and a pouch with six gold pieces as a group. There's six of us, right? 
And I said, oh, okay. So then I look at my stats, and it's a percentile-based system. My highest statistic was basically in, like, bookkeeping, like paperwork. (laughs) (laughs) And my second highest statistic was in writing. I don't even have pants. I forget a horse. (laughs) And and what kind of, what level were you at those? Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. Oh. Uh, Like 50, 60%? My bookkeeping was like 47, and my writing was like 35, and then my next highest was You were still mediocre at best. 20s, right? I had a couple 20s and then 10s. My attack was one. Now, I didn't realize this. Meaning one what? Okay, I didn't realize this until the first time I got in combat, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to take the sharpened, I had a a stick or something, and I'm going to hit the creature, and he's like, okay, roll percentile. You need to roll a one. What? (laughs) (laughs) Is that how the game works? I don't know. I've, I've never played it before. Needless to say... If, so if that's how it that works, that's even, why it isn't around anymore. That wasn't okay. even the worst part. What I was your got... reaction when he, you said... Wait, wait, wait. Or he's, I, okay. I haven't even got to the okay. best part. All right. That gets better. I'm so, just going to sit back and listen now. So I have crappy stats, right? I'm like, okay, well, maybe we could we could make this work. Now, if you don't have your drugs, bad things happen. <laughs> like You say I, it's the other <laughs> way around. <laughs> yeah. We finally negotiate with this guy to take us to a boat. We get to the boat. And he's like, okay, well, the captain's like, well, what can you do? And we're like, well, we ain't got, even got any clothes. Like, I mean, so he finds stuff it's for us to do, for you. one of which is scraping barnacles off the hull. I'm like, well, I can do that, right? Sure, I'll, I'll do that one. It's a non-skilled. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, I don't want to lose our only dagger. And by now, it had become apparent that this GM would, like, hose you every opportunity they got. So I'm like, I want to try to find something to tie the dagger to my wrist, like a thong, you know, no, nothing around. I'm like, we're on a friggin' boat. I can't find a rope, a, a one foot piece of thong or a rope, you know? No. Nope. Well, you can try to cut the top off of your bag, like cut a strip off the bag. I'm like, okay, we'll do that. Right. Make a roll up. Oh, you failed. Cause you had a 10% chance to cut a strip off a bag. So you get the strip, but you also cut the bag open. And now all the vegetables are on the deck. All right, well, I guess we'll just keep somebody with the vegetables. I don't know, right? <laughs> so let's tie. Now I'm going to tie the dagger to my wrist. Okay, make a tie roll, tie knots roll. Uh, oh my. Of course, I have a 10, right? Don't succeed. Or no, I, find, I succeed on that one. Okay, now that's you've tied the, the string to the dagger. Now make another one to tie it to your wrist. Okay, this was the entire game, roll after roll after roll. So this will just demonstrate how this went. Make it to tie it on your wrist. You fail. Okay, you fail, but it's not a critical failure, so you can keep trying. Keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. Oops, critical failure, of which there's a 5% chance and a 10% chance to make it. So now your hand is starting to turn white. Okay, we loosened the knot. Okay, make a roll. Okay, you failed. Your hand's getting numb. You fail again. So at this point, I'm going to, like, amputate my own hand because I couldn't tie a knot. How would these people survive in real life? Okay. I mean, <laughs> so how what? do they actually make it to become a slave? So, so then I'm like, fine, we'll just cut the, the rope off my hand so I don't lose my hand. Okay, make a roll. Oh, my Lord. Okay, you make a roll. Oh, you failed. You've cut your arm open. Now you're bleeding. Okay. See, how did you manage to stay at the table that Okay, long? wait. So... At that point, we get a guy who has a weaving skill, which apparently can go- be good for anything because he can stitch up wounds, whatever. <laughs> it was absurd. Um, we take a bathroom break. How many and, people didn't return? No, no, no. The GM <laughs> left. I, tur- I could tell the rest of the party was just as frustrated as I was. So I said, okay, just so you guys are aware, I am changing the victory conditions. If I have to make a roll for everything, I'm going to do the stupidest shit in the world. And my goal is to be dead by the end of the adventure. Okay. <laughs> so DM comes back. We, uh, I decide I'm going to try to cut the top. I've, I'm, I'm now the mop boy. I'm the swabber because I can't handle the barnacle detail. I, uh, we can't manage to, sharp instruments. I managed to take this top seven inches off of the mop handle and I sharpen it. But I don't have a place to put my new shank. But since we're naked, I figure I can just put it under my scrotum. So we start to call it my scrotum shank. <laughs> okay. 
So anytime I get a chance to say the word scrotum shank, obviously I take them right. because this is an absurd game, right? Then we are getting let off the boat on an island and I take my mop and I run off the ship as fast as I can because now I've almost tripled my belongings if I can steal this mop. Yeah. I steal the mop, I get a vine, and I make a little mop head uh, loincloth for myself. So I'm practically fully armored at this point. <laughs> and I have the, the mop handle of doom. I mean, I ca- started calling it my, my boomstick. So now yeah. I got a scrotum shake and a mop handle. It just gets more and more silly. But at this point, everyone is rolling in laughter, which, hey, mission accomplished, right? Exactly. I'm just being being me. Well, you weren't having fun trying to make uh, yeah, we weren't having rolls fun plays. before that. So then we have a boar that's going to get now a boar will kick our asses because we can't do anything. So I decide, well, I'm just going to let gravity do the work. I get in a tree. I drop onto the boar. Of course, the DM's like, well, unfortunately, you didn't notice that the boar had tusks. I'm like, I'm not an idiot. I know boar have tusks. And you've impaled your your wrist on one of the tusks as you fell onto the board. Was it your good wrist or your your damaged wrist? It was yeah. my right, my right wrist. Your your, your yeah, somewhat so, no, amputated wrist. So, so one, I go. Well, hey, I've immobilized one of the board's <laughs> two weapons. <laughs> Get him, guys. <laughs> right? So I'm staying on the board. I'm trying to stab him with my scrotum shank. That's not really working too well. But we end up taking down the boar, to which then I go, hey, guys, have you ever seen my Jesus impersonation? <laughs> which actually got a few laughs um, because it was that silly of a game. Then we continue on. We get tracked by a pack of wild dogs. I try the same thing again and die horribly and gruesomely. So I did reach my goal right before the end of dying before the end of the adventure. In what way, shape, or form did it relate to anything about the Elric milieu? None. None. Except for there were some drugs involved, I guess. It's been a while since I've read Elric. I don't think they were that. Honestly, I don't see how you... Yeah, I don't remember Knowing you, I don't see how you stayed The other thing... That should have tipped me off was he mispronounced uh, Melibone. Everybody mispronounces that. Yeah, but if you're running an Elric game. It's Milnibone. Y- you would think, well, he didn't even get that close. Oh, geez. <laughs> what, what did he say? I don't even remember, but it was not even close. I always said Melibone. Yeah. I believe I have to see it in writing to, but he, he, he had, he was totally off. So. So that was the Elric game. Yeah. And that was a four-hour game? Yes. That's four hours of your life you'll never get back. Yeah. And, you know, I have heard the word scrotum more in the last week than I have in the entirety of my life. It comes up a lot when you're not wearing pants, apparently. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Oh, my God. So I was super looking forward to that game and super disappointed. It was just it was one of those DMs that just thinks gaming is skill roll after skill roll. Unless you're making Mm. a skill roll, you're not gaming. And... I even see it not to this extent, That's but with really other GMs, like I look around the room, you know, I'm just going to, okay, make a perception check. Okay. You failed. Somebody else looks around the room. You see a, a large nightstand with a purple hippopotamus sitting on top of it. Okay. Right. I need a skill check to see that. <laughs> see that? Like, yeah. you know, I mean, some DMs take that too far. This DM took it to the extreme and everything wow. was a skill check. I must've made 200 skill rolls in four hours. Mm. No exaggeration. 200 skill rolls. What were the other players doing? Besides the same thing. Poking the pencils in their eyes. The same thing. You know, some of, actually, I had probably the worst character there. And like people at the end of the game, we were showing each other's characters. And I was telling them, I go, guys, I can do nothing. I have like, and like some of them had skills in the 30s and 40s. And at the end, we were like looking at each other's characters and everybody else goes, holy crap, you really did have an awful character. I'm like, I'm surprised this guy you know, survive childhood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Given his his statistics. Yeah. I was big. That was my Skill. thing. I had a large body size. That's why I started dropping out of trees. Ah. Uh, I figured that would wow. that would help. Yeah. Skill check on nursing. You failed, you starve. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it was it was almost that bad. I mean it it's hard to describe. Yeah. My gosh. I don't I, think I'll sign up for it next year. Although I might, just so that I can <laughs> kill another character. If nothing else, you got an awesome story out of it. Yeah, I mean, it's, so it's content. And maybe, maybe you saved the game for a couple of other people. <laughs> it might be a future bit. We might have to think about that for a bit. How not to role play. <laughs> okay. 
That was, that was definitely role-playing well, with two L's. If the guy who ran that game happens to listen to this podcast, I don't Sorry. think you're going to get Eric back in your game. No. No. So. Or, and maybe it's, not as much focus on the skill roles, you know. Skill it's a shows. style of play. It is. Uh, it's just not my style. Now, conversely, on Saturday night, my last event on Saturday, I played first edition D&D with Carlos Lising. And we've talked about Carlos. So he, he, he publishes a lot of old school style modules for first edition. He actually has some fifth edition stuff out now. Uh, that's his full time gig now. What's his uh, company called? Uh, ooh, I have the card. <laughs> Castle, C-A-S-L. We'll, we'll put a link. Okay. Castle Entertainment, I think. Uh, but we'll put a link to his Facebook and everything. And his modules are have an old school feel. And strangely enough, given that that was also old school, the exact opposite <laughs> of the Stormbringer game. I mean, it was a ton of role play, and it sort of makes me feel conflicted again about 5e. And it, he was running it too, right? He was running it. Say that again now? It, it makes me feel conflicted as to whether 5e is really an improvement over 1e. Because mm. you played first edition after all that we've been kind of talking about here on the podcast. Yeah, and it goes and along with Greg's minimized character sheet. Sometimes less is more. Yeah. Right? So... I was playing, it was sort of a Viking, we were barbarians from the north, sort of a Viking motif, and we were all set to uh, take down a, a big bad lich guy who was guarded by a dragon. So it was an epic adventure. I was a fourth level fighter, fourth level thief. And other people there had mostly, we had a lot of rogues, we had one wizard, we had a bunch of fighters, well, they, uh, one they cleric. Pre-gens, I assume. Pre-gens. Yeah. That's the way but, to go with cons. You know, first edition D&D, your you have your stats, you have your weapon proficiencies, and you have whatever your class gives you, which we've talked about. Mm -hmm. you know, Not much. Uh, you know, I got my one attack around. I got my backstab if I get in a position and I could find and remove traps. And after that, it's all you. You have to role play the rest. That's a really good point. You're not having to depend on all these stats that your character can do that you have to kind of like go through the list and figure out, oh, well, that fits this situation. Yeah, and it was a m totally fun experience. I mean, I had a great time there. It was a large group even. I think we had seven. Wow. And everybody was was having a good time. They were There was a lot more, you know, I got a feel for the individual characters because people, since they didn't have that page to read stuff off of, you know, they had their background. Carlos had given them everybody a background, a sort of a motivation and stuff, but it was really a dramatically different experience than either my epics that I ran in 5e or that Stormbringer game. I mean, it sort of hmm. makes people come out of their shell and you're not afraid to try stuff because you don't have a stat for it, I yeah. guess. Maybe yeah. that's part of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. in fifth edition, oh, I don't have a stat for it. I can't do that. Well, in first edition, nobody has a stat for it. So do it. Give it a shot. You know, um, so that was really good. Good game. He's going to release that that module. I don't remember what the name of it was, but we'll track it down. Hmm. Um, he also had released a prior module set in Perrinland, so I picked that up from him because I love Perrinland. He set runs in Greyhawk. Almost all stuff is in Greyhawk. It does uh, give me uh, a little not a pause, but it gives me some encouragement to maybe sign up for some first edition D&D games at some upcoming cons. It definitely gives you sort of that warm, fuzzy, throwback feeling. I played one two years ago at Winter War, and it was with my daughter. She was very afraid that she wasn't going to know what was going on, but I found that she actually got more into it, yeah. maybe because of what you're getting at. You know, there's not a whole litany of things that she can and cannot do. Mm -hmm. The DM's like, tell me what you're going to do. And, you know, for example, when we were leaving, I, he says, do you guys need anything else before you go? We had our equipment. And I said, I want 10 spikes and a hammer. Yeah, of course. <laughs> sure enough. Sure enough. And, and a piece of chalk. Mm -hmm. Sure enough. Pretty quickly, we have to spike a door open. There you yep. go. Did anybody get spikes? I got does, spikes. Does anybody spike a door open anymore? I cannot. Yeah. Not in 5e. I've never seen anybody yeah. spike a door. Hmm. Um, I, did, uh, I did two more horrors and we spiked a door. All right. So you did Tomb of Horrors here at 
game I, hole? I did two more four as a game hole. Okay, yeah. Yeah, let's, 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 let's go to that. Greg. Yeah. I want to hear this. Okay, okay, so Greg, you got to play Tomb of Horrors. I got to play Tomb of Horrors at uh, Game Hole Con with uh, uh, Sean Kelly. He's uh-huh. uh, one of the two hosts of the Gaming and BS podcast. So I think I listen to a lot more podcasts, I think, than the two of you guys. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, you know, like, like six a day. So that's, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can it's, do that at my desk. I'm yeah, sitting okay, here. you can do it. Okay, I guess yeah. you can, yeah. So um, Beats listen to the radio these days. And I did kind of pick out, you know, that was a choice. And mm-hmm. I've never, Eric ran us through the Tomb of Horrors once. We didn't make it all the way through. It was kind of back and forth. No one died. So obviously he was letting us off easy because we should have, you know, been killed. Um, this was he handed out pregens. Uh, there were um, we actually uh, a couple guys didn't show up and we had some subs, but we just went at it as straight and as old school as possible. And uh, really? And yeah. And was it? Fifth edition, you know, it was oh, it was 5e, yeah. We were running it in 5e. Um, the pre gens were not, I would let's say they weren't curated pre gens. Sean just went through and ran off a bunch of random pre gens Hmm. and threw them out to the point where Greg's first pre gen had no bonuses in his abilities. My first level elf paladin, his bonuses were zero straight down the board. Wow. Uh, except for one stat that I had a minus three in. <laughs> but my but it was something less important. If you died, he brought you back with a more powerful character. Yeah, right? when I when I eventually died, I came back as an 11th level paladin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that was the problem. When you first said first level, Two yeah. of Horrors is not a first level adventure. No. But the stuff that's going to kill you early will kill you no matter what level. So like, yeah. that's sort of a neat way to run it. Yeah, huh. and uh, yeah, so we basically we sent a, we sent a bunch of first levels in. Everybody wasn't first level. There were a couple of them that were um, multi classed out, so they were like you know a two three or a one four, and but I think three or four of us were first level, and then the other guys were not. And it was like running sheep into a minefield. You know, we went in, we opened up the doors, we set off some of the early traps, and then uh, your new character was <laughs> like you know would come walking up behind everybody and go, yeah, they sent me in from the village because I uh, heard you guys might be having a hard time. So, and then you got to play, and you were usually playing the same class, just at a okay. much more competent level. Did anybody um, from the original set of characters make it through? Yes. Um, well half of done. The, half well of the done. group made it through. Three of the original six made it through, and then we had another guy show up a little bit later and sit in. Nice. Um, Tomb of Horrors is classic and iconic. Yes. Everybody knows things. We, you run into the face on the wall. You know what it is. I, I, you know, I call it the ooh face. Yeah. Um, we, we saw that. Everybody looks at it and goes, I think I'm going to maybe not do that. And just because you can't, you almost can't role play that. You have no idea what that right. is. Especially after we had already had at least one bad encounter. An with orb a, of black, a, inky darkness tends to be bad. Yeah. Yeah, and so people threw some stuff in it, and yeah. yeah, and it was no fun. But it was those it was those curtains of uh, mist that you couldn't see through, yeah. and, and we played around. And the characters were honest, and they you know they threw things in, and you know tied a guy to a rope and sent him in, and he, you know you could pull the rope forward, but you couldn't pull the rope back, and and all that. But it went pretty well. And um, interestingly, I, I thought we didn't we didn't make it through the whole thing. We played with you, right? That was a while ago. It, I, we we uh, I don't want to ruin well. If you've never played Tomb of Horrors and you think you're going to play Tomb of Horrors in the future, do not listen to what I'm going to say next. Spoiler alert. The fake lich. Yeah, yeah. Um, fake lich I think that's where we made it into yours. Maybe, yeah. And then we we kind of bailed from there because because we were so beat down, naked, unarmed, you know, you what find all this gold. And naked people at Game Hole. No, this is at Eric's. This is well, yeah, you were naked too. Yeah. Oh, so okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. We went through. There's a portal you go through, and it takes all of your stuff and deposits you completely naked in a room. Yeah, yeah. And we went through the whole thing like that. You know, when we ran into something, you know, you, you're right. using improvised weapons. You're using the bones of the dead and mm-hmm. and candelabras and things like that to defend yourself. We made it. Th- we didn't go through that portal because I think we screwed it up. And. Um, yeah, it was uh, it, it was kind of fun, and 
oddly, we made it to the exact same point. It took us so long to get to that. This was uh, this was like was four hours or six hours, and we made it to the same place that we did with Eric, and and he finished us off then. Uh, with was the it whole, was it, it slotted for six hours? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm it was here. a six hour game, uh, but it's hard to fit that in. Yeah, six it was hours. it was oh, six yeah, because right. most groups are super cautious. You know, detect traps, oh, yeah. detect traps, detect traps. You yeah, know, they're yeah. right. That's the way you have to go through it. So that yeah, we were that, and at one point the party had split into two groups. Because that's what you do, split the party, because one one bunch wanted to go one way, and the other bunch was like, I, we just did something similar to that, and, and it killed that guy. We're not going over there. So, so uh, you only died we once. Went. So I only died once, uh, and I think two other dudes died once. And other than that, it uh, cool. it was pretty well. It was, I would say, a bunch of seasoned D&D players, more than one of which had been in the Tomb of Horrors before in some manner, mm -hmm. usually quite some time ago. I didn't think I remembered it so well, but the farther we got into it, the more I remembered what happened. But everything didn't go off exactly the same. Yeah. So uh, so that was kind of cool. But uh, yeah, I did enjoy that. I, I, enjo I enjoyed that more than most of my other D&D. &D. What other yeah. games did you play? Um, was it all RPG? Uh, yes, I'm. I am all RPG. You're all a one-trick pony, hey? I kind of am. <laughs> um, the very first thing I did, which was another thing with Sean Kelly, uh, it was called the Deal, mm -hmm. and it was a card-based role-playing game. <laughs> yeah, got a good look from Dean from that one. Um, <laughs> it was a Kickstarter from this year. He said it was a Kickstarter. It was copyrighted this year because I looked at the cards. Um, we were four characters who we we had a descriptive sheet when we started who had been invited to a poker game and during the course of the poker game things were supposed to come out about our characters and each of those characters had something they wanted from one of the other characters so it was role playing over a poker game hmm. and it's an interesting idea and with the right group of people it would probably be really good like a group of people who knows how to play poker but with our group it was a little awkward and a little sluggish because yeah number one there's only four players right none of us were what i would call seasoned poker players okay or in i think all but one case none of us knew what the hell we were doing at all and that slowed things down a little bit because i was making stupid bets and assumptions about which groupings of cards would beat other groupings of cards but whether you won or lost, it didn't really matter a whole lot, which was good because I was a million dollars in the hole when the game ended. <laughs> hey, we, you want to play poker sometime? Yeah, yeah, no yeah the, uh, the, the ante on it was uh, started out at 10,000 and then went up to 20. And I was losing, I don't know, 50, 80 grand per hand. Oh, my God. Me and this other guy. And, and then the other two players, they were doing all the way. It was very obvious that the two people who were better at poker and we're getting better hands. We're doing better. But it, uh, you know, it was fun. It was interesting. It was a good experiment. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't the most fun I had at the con. I don't regret playing. You know, we had a good time. I was, that was the game that I ran up to right at 10 o'clock on Thursday morning, hyperventilating because we had just got there, you know, and um, took me a while to get into it. But uh, I, I had a nice time, you know. Sean did the best he could with with us, and um, <laughs> that's you what know. your mother said too. Yeah, I know. Yeah, she's still saying that. So let me ask you, Greg, and, yep. and of course Eric. But Eric's been before. What is your overall impression of Gamehole Con for someone like myself who's not been? I mean, yeah. you know, was the vendor hall? Was there anything out of the ordinary in the vendor hall? The layout, scheduling. What was your overall impression? It is easily the best run convention I've ever been to. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a convention pro like Eric is. I've been to Gary Con and Gen Con and a couple of smaller cons, which you can't really compare a con that 50 people show up to, uh, to this. And it, it ran like clockwork. I mean, Eric was like, well, we're going to get there and we're going to have to stand in line to get our passes and all this stuff. You know, all this stuff. And we walked in and I walked right up to the desk. Yeah. Yeah, there was, yeah. Is there, it, it did help that we got there a little late, though. Yeah. But. Would you normally have waited in line? Uh, probably not a very long line. Yeah, they had it all done up by, they had alphabetical. Yeah, alphabetical. They? they probably had four or five people back there, man, in the, the boxes. Mm -hmm. No. Um, I, you don't get your badges mailed to you, then I take it. No, no I don't even know if that's an option there. No, nah, okay. and that's a lot of overhead for them that they don't need. You know, if you're mm -hmm. going to show up, you're going to show up and you're going to get your badge. And it's. I, I think it's better. I think. I think everything they did... That was the best way to do it. 
Yeah. Really. Hmm. For the Alex size of the convention. Alex is very cognizant of making things run smoothly. He wants you to have a convention experience. He yes. talked about that Experience on the is right. the key word. Yes, I do yeah. remember him saying that he wanted it to be the convention that he wants to go to. Yeah. Yeah, and that was, I went and I gamed solid from when I woke up until I passed out at the table after the session was over for three days and my morning, and, and it was it was smooth as silk. You and guys stayed at an attached hotel? No, we did not. You we did were, not. but it was across the street, so okay. if the weather was better, it would have been, we could just, we would have walked back yeah. and forth. And there was a shuttle from the hotel back and forth yeah. to the convention center as well. So. Did you actually take the shuttle? I or? did that I, one I just morning didn't when, ask I, you. when I woke <laughs> up late. I was going to walk it, but then I saw the shuttle pulling in, I was like, is that going over to the... Convention Center? Yep, hop in. I was like, nice. okay, uh-huh. don't have to tell me twice. Well, it does sound like, Eric, you had, aside from your own gaming that you did with your uh, AL stuff, you had a so-so experience in terms of actual no, gaming no, I don't experience. Wanna, no, I mean, you 2 and Cthulhu was a blast. My first edition was a blast. I played a game of Traveler, Classic Traveler. Oh, okay. That was also a lot of fun. It was... Uh, Interesting because the guy who ran it knew his stuff inside and out. That is the he, key to everything. He runs Traveler like I run D anD. There's he had no notes in front of him, but he could rattle off, you know, the the population of a given world, the you know, the time it takes to travel from here to here. Like he knew it. Mm-hmm. Um, you could tell he'd been running Traveler forever. So it was a very old school sort of. Let's just see how far we get. Good, and that's what we did. So that was a lot of fun. So it was just that one-off, the Stormbringer game that was really kind yeah, of down. Yeah, and the fact you. that I got a cold early on in the convention. Yeah. So I did. Did you deal. play? Did you play any D anD? I did not play any. Other D&D. than the first, so you played your one E, your Traveler, and your Stormbringer, and that's and all Cthulhu. you played. And Cthulhu. So okay, any so you got seminars? Four yeah. So the seminar. Oh, there was one other game I played. Um, I played Baron Munchausen. Which is a game oh, I knew about. I've heard of it. So, but this was Baron Munchkinhausen. So, uh, the classic uh, Baron Munchausen is you have a timer, you have five minutes, mm-hmm. you get a topic, and you have to weave a tale. And at any point, someone can give you a coin and uh, put a complication in your story that you have to incorporate. Mm-hmm. You can also use a coin to cancel that if you don't really want to do it. So for this game, rather than coins, they use munchkin cards from a variety of sets. Oh. So you had all, a lot of monsters, a lot of weird stuff going on. But there was like three kids and three adults. And I love games like that. I had not had a chance to play it. But then at the end, you take all the cards that you got and you vote for who was the best story, who told the best story. Well because I'm a min-maxer, I realized that if I give all my cards out, I don't have to vote because <laughs> I don't want that that responsibility. So I made sure <laughs> nice. I gave all my cards out. Uh, and at the end, it me and one of the kids had big stacks of cards. And honestly, I probably had them, but I just threw my cards and I, I said, yeah, he's got me because you got a prize. I don't need another prize. Right, and yeah. he's a little kid. So to him, that would be really exciting. Uh so he was pretty excited that, that he told a good, good story. And there was it was funny because there was a recurring theme about uh, there was a card, Axe Cop, and I got it first. And uh, it was a munchkin card, so it's a cop with an axe. But I said, well, <laughs> of course. You, know, they're, you know, commonly misinterpreted as a cop with an axe. In fact, it's a cop who wears axe body spray. Oh. So <laughs> every other person after me would get that card because now that I have it, I can give it. You've right? set the precedent now. And Axe Cop appeared in every story and everybody was rolling about Axe Cop. But That's great. that was a good time. Now, seminars. This was a mixed bag. So I, I got to the D&D 5E seminar, uh, what's going on with 5th edition, late. And as usual, they're not saying anything about anything, right? They yeah. don't want to. They'll talk about stuff that's released, but they're not going to talk about future releases. I think we said more about what's happening in 5.5e in our recent podcast yeah. than they probably did about the real yeah. 5e. Now, interestingly enough, they just released an Unearthed Arcana, which if you look at it, and they will probably release this in a hardcover, which lets you replace... Uh, class features with different class features. So if you want to be a barbarian that specializes in nature and stealth and instead of whatever else they get, you can swap those out. 
the the weird part is last year after that seminar, when they were talking about that, I went up to I think it was Mike Meyer Merles Merles Merles, and said I really like that idea because I see. I DM a lot. I see a lot of cookie cutter characters. Every paladin, you know, you know, yeah. whatever. They're all the same, right? Everybody takes the same characters. Every swashbuckler rogue is the same, right? I. It would be great if you would do that. I want to say, and I'm the one that convinced him, but this year you weren't the only one to say that. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I might have been. I am influenced. <laughs> they're not gonna. They're not gonna build a game around one person. Yeah. They should. Now, <laughs> Now the now is that Unearth Arcana stuff of that available for um, Adventures League though? No, not yet. You can't run yeah. Unearth Arcana. But if they release it in a hardcover, the other thing they added was for some classes swapping out cantrips as you level. Get rid of oh. one cantrip, replace another cantrip, mm-hmm. which is because sometimes you make your character and you end up gimped. You're like, I'm never going to use that. So those are hmm. nice. It, it's going to provide a little more variety in in characters. That sounds good. Yeah. Uh, story time with Chris Lindsay. Was weird. Was weird. It was awkward. And who is Chris Lindsay? Chris That's Lindsay is one of the guys from Wizards of the Coast. He does Adventures League stuff. I'm not sure. He's like a. He started as a customer service guy back in Fourth Edition, but he sort of introduces. I'm the quiet one that people don't know much about. So I figured I would like tell you about myself and I'm going to weave in movie quotes. And when I say a movie quote, I'll raise my hand. If anybody gets all the movies from the movie quotes, then uh, you will get a free uh, collector's edition copy of Descent and Avernus. I was like, oh, that's sort of cool, right? So then he starts. Uh, my name's Chris Lindsay. I have PTSD and depression. I was beaten as a child. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We just went real dark real quick. Like... It it was uncomfortable. Really? I mean, I don't. He was using it as kind of a therapeutic session. Yeah, and not all of it was was dark, but I, I don't know if I want to know everything about Chris Lindsay. Like, hmm. I sort of want to know what Chris Lindsay does with wizards, which I'm still not sure, honestly. <laughs> um, Interesting. And then some people did ask some questions. Uh, so we got a, a little bit of information from him because he is part of the you know the, the team that manages 5e. So that was weird. I went to the What's New in Adventures League seminar, and they just released Eberron, which mm-hmm. Greg played a couple adventures in. That's like a standalone campaign outside of the Forgotten Realms. Specific characters uses a different tracking system for your character. A ton of questions about Eberron. I can't imagine. Anyone who's knows me at all, knows I do not like Eberron. Uh, it, Why did you go to that one? Then? Well, because it was supposed to be about Adventures League. Oh. It wasn't Eberron specific. It wasn't supposed to be Eberron specific. But easily two-thirds, probably more of the questions were Eberron questions. People want to know about this and this and this. And Eberron's still being released, so it's not finalized yet. So of It's course, a little people, messy. People have questions. Uh, didn't I did ask them. I, I sort of made my opinion known in the form of a question, like, <laughs> Let's stop screwing around with the rules. Like, it's been nine seasons, and after se- the whiplash from season eight, which back to a, a acceptable rule set in season nine, can we just keep rules the same for a while? Like, you know, and they're like, oh, yeah, we've been trying. That's our goal. And I'm like, well, thinking to myself, you suck at your goal because season nine, you base or season eight, you basically like, threw the baby out with the bathwater and just decided to to change yeah, everything. Three or four seasons, and you should have figured yeah, out how, yeah. what works and what doesn't and stick with that. But this goes back to my thing where the people who are running Adventures League, they're, they're well-intentioned, but they're amateurs. And you should not give them that amount of control because this big of an organization, you're not going to let— you know, the the weekend racer run Ford Motor Company, mm-hmm. okay? There's a reason. There's a hierarchical structure. They demolish that for Adventures League. There's no more mid-level people. There's no more low-level. And it means that these wild swings occur because there's nobody there to moderate them. Somebody should be there saying, wait a minute. Like, let's let's put this in front of a group of people and really think this through. Instead, it's like two people who are going, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do that. And then it happens. You need a moderating influence on that, in my opinion. And like I said, they're well-intentioned. It's just 
you're not going to get the consistency you can get with a group of individuals making up. Yeah. See, and I was really not aware that that's how Adventures League is run, air quotes. And yeah, it, yeah, that's my understanding. That's fri- that's maybe, maybe somebody will correct so, me, but there's like four or five people who are essentially running Adventures League. And they're the ones who – now stuff does go up. Some stuff gets approved. Some stuff – it's it's wacky. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, and I'm sure some of that approval has to do with what products are coming out so they can tie it in yeah, with the products and that are coming I would out. love to see them incorporate more of a hierarchical structure, but apparently they – then you get into the problems of are these people considered employees of Wizards of the Coast? Uh, and if they're employees, are, do they have certain protections? And do they have, mm-hmm. to, you know, so you got into that with the magic judges, the magic gathering judges. They were compensating oh. them for judging, but they weren't employees. And that uh, that caused the whole uh, sort of downfall of, of let's, let's incorporate all these volunteers. Now it's very limited. Uh, one other thing that's, sort of relates to that is the the growth of D&D might force them to sort of address that because I know we've talked about critical role in the past. Yeah. Just saw a news article. Now, people will get this podcast probably two weeks after this, but critical role did a Kickstarter for an animated series. Yep. Right. They raised $15 million to make- Which is mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. To make 10 episodes of They this. better be freaking fantastic oh, episodes. Oh, wait a minute. Amazon Prime- just inked a deal with Critical Role to do oh, 24 that's right. episodes. That's right. I saw that. Yes. Like, D&D is mainstream. Yeah. And, and I don't know how much they got paid, but I'm willing to bet it's more than $15 because that's what they raised in a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And Amazon, they're going to add two to the first season and then do a whole nother 12 for a second season. And I would not be surprised if this this takes off and we see a yeah. full-time D&D animated series. As long as it's done well. Well, I mean, Mercer knows his stuff, and yeah. he's and they're all still involved. They're all executive producers. They're going to be doing the voice acting for their characters, and they're a good group of people. They really are. I mean, they love D&D, so mm, I don't think good. they're going to let them cut corners. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it'll only go off the rails if they have to relinquish some control, and uh, I don't right. see that I happening. I don't see that happening. I think yeah. they are very much... You know, they they want to make a good product. All right. Well, let's get back on track here just a little bit. Yeah. Favorite thing for both of you at the convention? I, for me, it was my one and my traveler. Going back to my, my gaming roots, mm-hmm. you Greg? know, getting that feeling again. That's really tough for me. Um, I signed up for my Game Hole Con games late. You know, I wasn't sure I was going. And then I, you know, by the time I made up my mind to go and bought my pass, events had uh, registration had been going on for a while. So a lot of the stuff I signed up for was, you know, I thought, oh, well, that wasn't my first choice. And I didn't get a lot of things I went and picked out right off the get go. Turns out I ended up stumbling into an almost perfect schedule where that happens more often than not. If you think about it, it's really weird. Um, You know, we were there for four days. I played no Dean. I had a no D&D day then an all D&D day, and then a none, and then an all. Um, my first day there, I got to play uh, Villains and Vigilantes. I had never played Villains and Vigilantes before. I played Mutants and Masterminds, played GURPS, played a, an immense amount of champions. Um, my V&V thing was terrific, uh, run by old school guys. Um, he actually incorporated Star Frontier's background material into his villains and vigilantes which sounds weird but he used the dralocytes and the vrusks as aliens who had come to earth and we were helping the dralocytes defeat the vrusk or i'm sorry not the vrusk the sathar which is the bad guys in uh, star frontier sorry uh, i yeah i like the vrusk but <laughs> really well run he knew what he was doing table was littered with 80s vintage maps and boards and things that was a ton of fun um saturday i played champions i haven't played champions for probably about a decade which is weird that had Um, to be fun for you yeah i tried to at cons to sign up for champions events and have been consistently failing but they had this uh session here uh we were given pre-gens uh, it came back to me really fast. There were seven players. It was a full table, but they had two uh, GMs. Now, um, I wouldn't say this was my favorite thing, but I really enjoyed getting back 
into the champions. The one thing I want to bring up here, since we kind of ran around this a little bit, the game had a pacing problem. It was a four-hour session with seven players. We started out where our characters didn't have our powers and didn't know anything because there was a time travel thing going on where somebody had erased our characters from history. So we had to get our powers in a backdoor sort of way. So the here, the main hero in the group had to get his powers first. Game say the game started at nine. It was nine fifty, almost ten o'clock before anyone other than that main character played. Most of us spent, we spent about 10 minutes getting into the game. The table spent 30 minutes sitting there watching the game master and one person play. Yeah. I see that a lot with con games. People don't run stuff. They don't plan to run it at a con. They just go, well, I run this all the time at home. I'll just run a con game. Yeah, that works for at home, but not at a con. You need to to think about pacing and... You know, how much are you actually going to be able to fit into four hours or six hours? Yeah. And so a quarter of our time, we weren't playing. We were watching. Now, you could say you were learning the system if you didn't know it. It's not that hard. And half of us there knew how to play. Um, Did that character need his powers first? Yes, he did. Did that character need to fight a full complement of robots to get his powers? No. It could have been one. He could have knocked the robot out and said, ooh, I have powers. Let me go find somebody to help. That's what should have happened. But instead, there was a 30-minute let's learn how to play champion slog through this. And 10, 15 minutes into it, no one was paying attention. One kid fell asleep. I was, uh, you know, I was sort of paying attention and sort of planning what I was going to do the rest of the day. And it just, yeah. He, he lost Ooh. half the table. So back to Dean's question: so, What was your favorite, favorite part of the game? <laughs> you know, because that's the opposite of that. Yeah. yeah. Now, thing about that though is, it turned out to be a really fun game. Once everybody got their powers and we all went to attack the villain, it was it was good old classic champion slugfest, knocking people through walls and mm-hmm. blowing yeah. up robots. And now. I always said, like, if you're an old school gamer, you should go to these conventions and play some of the old school games. But I'm of the opinion now that if you're a new gamer, you should go to these conventions and play play some some of the the old old school games. Because it really gives you a good look into how you can improve your gaming experience no matter what game you play. Yeah, no, totally. Absolutely agree. Yes. Yeah, uh, at least two of the players there were younger players, you know, were born after I stopped playing. Um, and we were playing 6E. Uh, I'd never played 6E. It is amazingly similar to 4E, which was the last one I played. Uh, main difference, confusing Greg, metric system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, everything switched from inches to meters. You're such an American. I know. Well, um, I definitely would take from your experiences that I need to go back and start playing some more OSR. I tell you what, yeah, play with sign up for one of Carlos's games. We, you know, if we contact him, I bet you we could get him to run one some evening, like in a hotel. He did a side game this year with a couple of people. I bet you we could get him to to cool. throw one together for us. But uh, favorite games, though, it would have been one of my Call of Cthulhu games. I played three <laughs> Cthulhu's. Um, it's like picking children. Mm-hmm. One of them, as I said, was a uh, U2 can Cthulhu. Uh, we were playing the Harlem Knights uh, scenario. Not scenario. Um, it's a source book. Right. Uh, it got a lot of press last year um, dealing with, you know, African-American issues in the 20s. It's very, very well researched. Hmm. Um, the sheet, the video monitor that they had going there, which it was a large tablet, every person and every place that we ran into, they weren't random pictures like my character, I'm assuming is just, you know, some random person they found off of the internet. All of the buildings and all of the secondary characters that we ran into were actual historical people. Um, The speakeasy that we were working out of was a real speakeasy. One of the other player characters was playing an actual historical person. I don't think we had a we had a trumpet play. We, yeah, if if you're gonna play yeah. 
Cthulhu. First, you should play Gatsby in a Great Race because that yes. is awesome. We're not going to tell you anything about it because it would spoil it. But play it if first. If you can't get into that or you've already played it, you too can Cthulhu runs an awesome game. Yes, they do. And, right. and always try to play something that takes place back in the day, you know, the 20s based yeah. ones before you go sticking your toes into space. The one over the curtain from us was uh, taking place in space. Right, it's all fun. Yeah. It's and, and it's all really good. But the, the true, your true Cthulhu flavor is... Um, is done in the past. Uh, the other one I played, and I, I would probably say this is my best experience there, was my Zav Cthulhu. Yeah. Uh, Zav Cthulhu, I ran two sessions of that with the same game master, Kevin, and I'm going to ruin his last name, uh, Kanyesko, but he has a Eastern European last name, so I figure yeah. he was more inclined to play this. Um, all took place in Stalinist Russia. Interesting. And um, you knew things were going to be fun because he had uh, Soviet poster art on his game master screen and then in the middle of the table was a bottle of vodka and eight shot glasses <laughs> and uh, this was in the 18 and up room drinking so, and gaming uh, what could go so wrong? yeah so eight, yeah eight or, eight, go right. eight or nine o'clock at night doing shots of vodka playing russians yeah uh, that would be a different game at 8 a.m i suppose yes it would yeah <laughs> That's for your hardcore alcoholics. Need to bring the orange juice with to go with the vodka. Yeah, uh, he ran a really good game. They they were adapted from a uh, Pulp Cthulhu scenario. So yeah. uh, well, it was a good time. So a really good time. The next convention for all of us is going to be Winter War. Yes. Yep. And I'm going to put Greg on the spot because I'm going to put an offer out to any of our listeners. If you track us down at Winter War, we will give you a button. Greg has yep. been making buttons, and so we each, while supplies last. Yes. Uh, we have a, a button idea I came up with, which was, it has been blank days since my last character death. And you can write on the button to tell people dry how erase. long it's been. <laughs> dry erase since, since you've been killed. But we'll have a, a selection yeah. of those buttons. Uh, we, also, we also have blank days till I derailed my GM's plans. That's right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that'll be fun. So we'll have those with us at Winter War we'll for have some any buttons. of our locals. Well, that is our wrap-up of the Game Hole Convention, which took place in... Madison, Madison Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Thank you. I was about to say Milwaukee, but I knew I yeah. was wrong. So, Greg, take us out. If you want to tell us uh, about your convention experiences or if you've been to Gamehole Con or have any questions, which you can't possibly as long as we've talked, you can get a hold of us at uh, on Facebook where we are The Grognards. On Twitter, we are at T Grognards. On Instagram, we are The underscore Grognards. And we still have old school email where we are gamers at thegrognards.com. Thanks for listening out there. For the Grognards, I'm Dean Geigen. I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. Game on.